Hey Upper East Siders, Gossip Girl here, and I have the biggest news ever. One of my many sources, Melanie91, sends us this. Spotted at Grand Central, bags in hand, Serena Vanderwoodson. Was it only a year ago our it girl mysteriously disappeared for quote boarding school? And just as suddenly she's back. Don't believe me? See for yourselves. Lucky for us, Melanie91 sent proof. Thanks for the photo, Mel. Gossip Girl, if you want to, you can leave oh, your friends no, behind. Absolutely. And if your friends can Gossip Girl, and if they Gossip Girl, well, they're no friends of mine. I need to start asking gossip for Gossip Girl, if you want to, you can leave your gossip right now. Solve all of our problems. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to I Think You'd Be Into It, the podcast about your problematic faves. I'm your host, Brandon Beck. Who is my problematic fave, and I'm his wife, Beth Scorzato. Did did I? I think I did the Men Without Hats gag like two episodes ago. Didn't God, I'm I? sure you did. Um, either way, shout out to Brian Stack in the uh, Men Without Hats conversation channel, the the peak of sketch comedy. Um, but joining us today to talk about uh, teen sensation uh, Gossip Girl is the editor in chief of Fashionista, Tyler McCall. Tyler, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you for uh, uh, joining us in the uh, the podcasting Upper East Side. Virtually rich asshole neighborhood. Oh, yeah. I mean, we do live in Los Feliz. We do. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally a block up is like multi-million dollar million homes. Million dollar homes. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, my my admittedly limited understanding of LA is that it's all like million dollar homes and then some apartments. No. Yeah, basically. It, <laughs> no. It's just a matter of where, of where they all land. Right, right. I mean, in fairness, uh, technically, technically, yes. However, a million dollar home in LA does not look like what people think it looks like. Right. A million exactly. dollar home in LA can be like a three bedroom craftsman ranch. Like it's not a mansion. It's tiny. <laughs> yeah. That being said, uh, join our Kickstarter to get us a three-bedroom craftsman ranch uh, <laughs> right? here, here oh in Los God. Angeles. I wish. God, I wish. Um, but so before we uh, take a trip to uh, the Upper West, Upper East Side, uh, let's take a trip to the land of things we're into this week. Does anybody have one? Because if not, I do. That was it. really smooth, Brandon. It, right? I, He's like, good at I, this <laughs> transition. It's the transition out of this and into the next part that he fumbles. Got it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I am into this week, and we have we're doing a whole episode about this uh, eventually, but I, I wanted to cover it while it was happening, is uh, WandaVision, which is the new Marvel show on uh, Disney Plus that I don't know. So it's a bunch of sitcoms starring the Vision, starring Vision and Scarlet Witch um that are these like sort of perf- sort of yeah um like it starts everything off about with this a, movie like, everything about this show is it's this sort, sort of. of yeah it's so it's so deeply deeply weird especially coming off of like you know Endgame and like the last couple spiders man which are all pretty straightforward suddenly now 
Paul Bettany's doing a Dick Van Dyke impression in in like a fucking you know, killing it sitcom. Too. Yeah, he's he's killing it. Uh, Paul Bettany turns out real good sitcom actor. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's this it's this wild show about the Scarlet Witch and Vision. Um, if you're not into Marvel stuff, I think it's worth taking a look at because it also is this really loving uh just sort of like look at television over the past five six decades kind of starting with uh you know sitcoms like the honeymooners or uh you know dick van dyke and then uh you know kind of bewitched and i dream of genie those kind of like high concept 70s sitcoms the most recent episode was basically malcolm in the middle like it's it's wild and they get them all so so right yeah what i was gonna say though is though if you're not into marvel while i agree it's worth watching um just a just a small caveat because even people who are into Marvel, um, there were a lot of complaints online about the first couple episodes because they don't spoon, spoon feed you a lot of exposition and they're not superhero-y. They're not what you think when you think like, oh, this is a superhero show. But keep watching it. Just believe us when we tell you there's there's a payoff and then eventually you get more information and the world expands. Don't just give up because the first two episodes are weird and not what you were expecting. <laughs> Probably the first three. I think it doesn't really expand till the fourth one. It's also the first thing that sort of kind of scratches that same itch that Mandalorian does of like, this is just, this is a side story in a bigger world. So it's able to be like weird and not have to worry about like serving eight different upcoming movies. I mean, it is and it isn't. It's absolutely serving eight different up upcoming movies for reasons oh, no, I'm it, not going to talk about it, without spoiling it. But That's fair. Um, but I feel like... The it, characters that are in it wouldn't be in it if it wasn't serving upcoming movies. Right. But, like, it... it a lot of it, it doesn't wind up feeling that way. Like, it, like, the new characters that they introduce for it feel new, and it doesn't feel like, oh, this is just setting up so this person will be in Captain Marvel 2 or something like that. Um, but anyway, yeah, WandaVision. Though, yeah, uh, we're gonna we're for sure gonna do an episode on it when it's over. Well, yeah, we're gonna invite friend of the friend of the show, Brett White, who's also been doing just absolutely killer in depth uh, recaps for uh, Decider where he works. Which like, I mean, this is like his whole thing is like Marvel stuff and old sitcoms. So it's like yeah. perfect for him. And uh, you should, if you are watching it. You should absolutely be checking out. Even if you are like, oh, I know what's going on. Definitely check out Brett's recaps because like he knows everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Brett is one of those guys where like he has a he has a deeply encyclopedic no uh, knowledge of all things Marvel, most I mean, specifically yeah. X-Men. Yeah. The first uh, episode that he did with us was 90s X-Men. That's true. Um, but he also has that same breadth of knowledge for like every sitcom that's ever been made because he's seen all of them and loves all of them and when we finished the first episode we were like it's like they ma made a show just for brett white brett, yeah. <laughs> um much. but yeah it's it, it check it out oh great theme song too uh well series by theme the by the lopez is 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 series of theme songs really Ser yeah true um so yeah wandavision who wants to go next? Because I'm done. <laughs> I can go. Nice. I don't think I talked about it yet that I've just been watching. I mean, I've talked about it online, but I've been watching a lot of Columbo, which is on Peacock. Huh. And I, I love Columbo. He's just this big old weirdo and I'm into it. Uh, I'm, 
I love Peter Peter Falk does just always the strangest acting choice. And I like a good procedural. I like that they're all like an hour and a half. I like that I don't totally have to pay attention to them because he's always going to do a wrap up at the end when he catches the guy. Uh, which ideal. is my favorite thing about procedurals anyway. Uh, I Yeah, anyway, all of, the, all of Columbo is on. And I watched, I've been watching all of them, including I watched the first 1968 pilot and then I watched the second pilot, the 1971 one as well. Uh, anyway, I'm very into Columbo. I've been watching a lot of Columbo. <laughs> You know, the the guy the guy who plays Columbo is really good, but he's just dead ass doing Perry Mason. Oh my god. Nobody's gonna <laughs> understand what you're saying. Yeah, I have no frame of reference for that. Even if they've listened to every episode of this show, no one knows what the fuck you're talking about. No, I've 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 done I've I've made that point on the show several times. I doesn't matter. It's that was not a, a that good was point a deep and cut. no one's going to remember. That was the deep cut for the real into it heads. That nobody should identify. Nobody should self-identify that way. I don't even identify that way, and this is my show. Yeah, um, but yeah, Columbo is really fun to watch, and I like have little. He's watched to know... some of them with me. Yeah, I, I have little to no interest in procedurals or cop shows, but I have lots of interest in just utter weirdos. Yeah, and like yeah. Peter Falk. And, yeah, yeah, and Peter Falk is like, like upper echelon like s-class weirdo um right. because he, it was the 70s he just makes his eye work for him he's got a glass eye yeah he's got a glass eye he just kind of like he always looks like every time he comes into a room he, he looks like he's like what did i come in here for <laughs> i deeply relate i deeply relate and honestly like yeah. i aspire to big columbo energy because i just <laughs> i would love people to underestimate me because then they'd leave me alone just leave me in peace please don't ask me things anymore <laughs> let me let me live my life please underestimate me senpai please <laughs> and because they were all like an hour and a half long there were so many moments where like every single one of them is a mini movie because it was part of the like nbc monday mystery like movie series that they like rotated a few different quote-unquote series so like Columbo we think of Columbo as a tv series but it was really like a series of miniature movies it was more oh. like a novel it was more like a novel series than a tv yeah. series like you get like one Columbo a month and then the other weekends would be like the rabbi and his goat or whatever that thing you said was called and there's like no there's no continuity because there's no continuity either there are actors like very famous actors that are in multiple episodes but as different people yeah yep as different people wow like you've seen what two this week with uh paul mcguin uh it wasn't this week but yes i've seen two recently with paul mcguin patrick mcguin actually yeah i was gonna say patrick mcguin leslie nielsen is in one of the like very first ones and then he's also in the second mcguin one again as huh. the victim, though, instead of the murderer. Um, and there's another guy who's in two. He's in the cruise ship episode, and then he's in another episode I just watched, with Brand- which Brandon jokingly was like, oh, is this one nautical-themed, too? And actually, it was about boats. <laughs> <laughs> you can, there's only so many places you can have and solve a murder. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? But anyway, Columbo, it's all on Peacock. Go check it out. It's great. Oh, yeah, it's hey, a classic. Uh, 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 before before we before we move on, uh, uh, one, one, one more one more thing. 
No, he says it like a normal human being. I don't. He does this weird caricature of Peter Falk whenever what, we what, 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 But like he, Peter Falk is a good actor. He says the line like a normal person would deliver a line. Ah, uh, yeah, you're right, sir. I'm sorry. You're, that's a good point, sir. You're you're right. <laughs> that one's actually better. Oh no, I'm capable of doing a better Peter Falk. <laughs> I just choose to do my bad one. You just choose to do the one that annoys me. <laughs> Oh sure do, God. sure do, babe. Absolutely, but yeah, I don't know. I'm enjoying it. I've been watching it. It's really good in the background while I'm doing work, and uh, or when I'm not doing work. I don't know. I just like Columbo. <laughs> so, uh, Tyler, what about you? Uh, what a great question. I recently finished the book "Detransition Baby" by Tori Peters, and I'm still um, thinking about it. I don't know if you guys have heard anything about it. It just came out last month. Only from your gushing about it. Oh my God, it's so good. It's the kind of writing that makes me angry that it's so good because I will never write anything that that's, that's that good. Do you know what I mean? That feeling yeah, of like- I absolutely feel that. Motherfucker. Yep. Uh, is this a swearing-friendly podcast? Oh, absolutely. Oh, it's absolutely a swearing Fantastic. Um, so You can go ahead and swear, sir. You can swear however much you want. To the, the novel follows, there's three primary characters. Um and it is a trans woman, her ex-girlfriend who has since de- – who was a trans woman who's detransitioned. Um, and his coworker slash girlfriend who he accidentally knocks up. And so the plot of the book is after Ames um, gets his girlfriend pregnant, she's like, I want to have – a, and she's a straight woman, um, an assist woman. She wants to keep the baby and have a family with him, but he's still not like, even though he detransitioned, he's not still fully comfortable with the male gender aspect of parenthood. And so his idea is to rope in his estranged ex girlfriend who wants nothing more than to be a mom, like very desperately, to form some kind of like new idea of what a family could look like and have her serve as sort of like a second mother. So the book follows, you know, it operates both in present and in the past and it kind of, it switches between like different time periods to talk about, um, Ames pre-transition, um, during her life as Amy and with her girlfriend and then post detransitioning um and kind of how they all deal with this pregnancy and it just the way that it tackles gender like it i obviously uh well not obviously it's a podcast so who knows i am a oh no they can see you yeah uh well then i apologize because i'm in my hairstyles hoodie and no makeup um it it tackles gender in such a, a such a fascinating way that like even as a cis woman, it made me think about how I present my gender identity and like how that was formed through a lifetime of experiences. It was just, it's so good. First of all, it's just a great story. It's so well written. I reread the final paragraph probably like 15 times in a row because <laughs> it was just so good. I just kept rereading it. I was like, Holy shit. Um, it's just such a good book. I cannot recommend it enough. All right. Detransitioned. Who is it by? Um, it is by Tori Peters. All right. There you go, folks. You that, heard that it sounds here first. Real good. And, and, and with every 
step of the plot as you were explaining it, I was like, well, that won't be complicated. Yeah, the yeah. I went and bought it at McNally Jackson um, because I was running an errand at Target. <laughs> and the guy at the checkout counter was so excited that I was buying this book because he was also in the middle of reading it. Um, and he went on for several minutes and he compared it to Wharton, which like I can kind of see. Um, but nice. Yeah. It's just, I mean, that's a hell of an endorsement. <laughs> uh, right. Exactly. I was like, well, shit. <laughs> okay. Uh, it, it really, it really reads like a very classic novel, but it's, it's so like her language is so evocative and it's just so, there's so many points in it that I just found like completely brutal in a good way, you know? Um, sure. But yeah, I can't, it's, it's probably the best book I've read in, I would say in the year, but like, I don't mean the calendar year because it's only February. Sure. <laughs> like in the quarantine year. I have since quarantine started, tried to get back into reading because I'm just sitting at home all the time. Um, so I've been reading a lot more and I think it's, it is the best book I think I read um, in this time period. See, I don't, I'm not a, I, I'm not the kind of person who like reads a lot but when I read a book I just read the whole book yeah I just spend like seven hours reading a book <laughs> yeah I mean this really lends itself to that because it's it's the plot itself doesn't seem that it's not crazy it's not like a you know like a murder mystery or something that's constantly moving you forward but it's so well written and it's such an emotional gut punch that you you want to keep reading it yeah, there's something to be said about books that are they're not necessarily plot driven, they're character driven and that's also that's in a way harder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Much harder. So I'm really into that. I keep thinking about it and talking about it. Although, speaking of things that are plot driven, Gossip Girl. Great. That was great. <laughs> See? Oh, hold on. I, I, I think no, – no, no. I, I, th I think I got you here. I think I got you here. So speaking of, of Wharton, how about another super-duper fancy school that I wouldn't have gotten into? <laughs> yeah, but that's not the Wharton we were talking about. Oh. <laughs> Edith Wharton. Why would you thought that she was – why would you have thought the cashier was comparing a writer to a school? I don't know. <laughs> I, I I don't know. You were so I, close though too because actually like Edith Wharton does have a lot in common with Gossip Girl and I was really impressed. I was like, damn, that is a really good transition. I was like, Edith Wharton is not the same as the business school. Baby. And then I realized you thought I meant the Wharton School of Business and I was like, yes, well, yes, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, turns out my kink is shooting myself in the foot. So Nice. We know. <laughs> far, far be it for me to, to yuck your yum, you know? Anyway. <sighs> The weird, so uh, not to immediately be like my relationship with Gossip Girl, but like I, I have such a weird relationship. So when this first like popped off, I was actually working at another young adult book publisher, which Gossip Girl is was published as a book series, yeah, by Alloy, and then simultaneously developed for TV, which is also a young adult, like wildly popular young adult book, uh, book packager. They also did um, Pretty Little Liars, and so like. My familiarity with Gossip Girl is that, like, it was constantly, like, the comp that everybody was like, we need to come up with the new Gossip Girl. We need yeah. to come up with the next, like, this. And, like, that was, like, the high standard for, like, multi-series teen intrigue at that time. Uh, yeah. And then it popped off on TV. Yeah. It's it's funny because I, I read the books in high school. I don't really – I don't really remember them. I mean, I have always been a pretty voracious reader. 
Um, and so it was like a series that I could plow through pretty quickly and it was fun, but I have almost no memories or attachments to it. So I don't know why I got so into the show. It's not like I was a huge Gossip Girl fan. Um, but I think that a lot of people who were into the show either didn't care about the books or never read the books Yeah, in a way that it's just, I mean, that was the whole, that's the whole model of like packaging a full thing is that like, you're going to get as many people as possible by doing it both ways. Yeah. And I just know that one day I'm going to log on to TikTok and some 16 year old is going to be like, did you know that this show was a book and I'm going to have to throw myself just off cry a building. and just throw myself off a building. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So, so what is your history with, with Gossip Girl? How did, how did you find the show? Oh yeah. So it came out my, I guess my senior year of college, I want to say. And I like what I find so fascinating about Gossip Girl is that it, it is, it hit right at this time that was sort of right at the end of, I guess, quote unquote, appointment television um, in the sense that streaming hadn't quite hit yet. But streaming was a thing. So like part of the the conflict, I guess, if you could call it that, when Gossip Girl was first airing was that their numbers when it aired on the CW were kind of low. But their their numbers for either I like – it would have been on Hulu. Streaming on like – well, no. It was like on the CW site. I mean it was like so oh, rudimentary. yeah. And the iTunes downloads were also crazy. And so that wasn't included yet. I, I don't know if that's true now, but it wasn't included yet in overall numbers for viewership. Um, and so I just think that that I – th- I think about this a lot when I think about Gossip Girl. But at the time, like truly my roommate – was like if she left the house and she wanted to watch Grey's Anatomy, I would have to pop a uh, a VCR, like a tape into the recorder and like record the episode for her. I mean, it was the tail end of that. You could have DVRs. We just didn't because they weren't super common. Um, so yeah, so we would watch it every week together, um, which is – it's so funny because I just can't think of anything that I've watched in that same way since where it's like you have people over because it's Wednesday night at – 9 p.m. and you're all gonna watch teenagers get into hijinks <laughs> oh yeah I mean and also like I think that kind of like what I was saying about how like at the time like it was the gold standard and it was this first one to like pop off like in a way like it kind of set a new standard for like that kind of show the like aspirational academia like rich kids going like like you wouldn't have Riverdale without Gossip Girl right yeah you just wouldn't it really like set the tone it was the first big one that really like set the tone for a type of show for a decade yeah it definitely did and it's funny too because um I had actually never watched the OC um and it's Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage who did the OC did Gossip Girl so I I didn't know that yeah so I think that they got a lot of carryover from that but I had never seen the OC either but I feel like the OC has more in common with, with like, other than, like, it's about rich kids. I feel like the, the OC has more in common with One Tree Hill than it has with Absolutely. Gossip Girl. Like, the OC and, and One Tree Hill were much more, like, I don't know. I can't even explain. I can't even articulate it. But, like, they're different. They're just different vibes. They're a different vibe. They, they were, those were more UPN and this, and this show was more CW. Which might feel reductive, but no, but it's but that was the other thing too is Gossip Girl was one of the first CW shows I think mm-hmm. after the the merger yeah, after it wasn't WB anymore yeah yeah um and yeah I mean you're right I mean 
the OC has much more in common to me with like a like even like a Beverly Hills 90210. Yeah. Um yeah, and so it was just it was so bonkers and I also think a lot about it so perfectly captured that tail end of the sort of bush uh wealth insanity McMansion era and hit right as the recession was coming in too. Oh yeah. So it's this perfect little time capsule of a weird, weird time in America. And it also like, especially comparing it, it's interesting for, from a perspective to like, think about the creators that they, they created a very West coast show and then turned around and made something that is very New York. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. It is. It's extremely New York. And I had no frame of reference for this because I think I had been to New York once on a school field trip in the eighth grade. Um, but in in doing my research, like I have only become more obsessed with this show as time has gone on, which I, I'm sure is very healthy and not at all a sign that I am desperately clinging to my own youth. Um, but That's all right. All the actors were like 25. I know. So. Uh, and so like doing doing my research into it and kind of poking around, I mean, it's even the – the soundtrack to the show, which is, it has a great soundtrack, but um, the the people who are responsible for the music on the show would intentionally choose kind of more either not quite underground New York acts, but like acts that you would see if you went to like, I don't know, like Mercury Lounge or Arlene's or um, wherever at that time. Like it, it was just so committed to being, I think it gets some stuff wrong, which is fine. Um, because it was 2007 and we're still referring to Brooklyn as though it's like <laughs> Kuwait. <Ew. laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, that's how those people felt. I mean, I think it also has to do with the characters, like people who live that life, who have never like even been to Brooklyn to them. That is, you know, it's, it's definitely that, but also like Rufus Humphrey owns an art gallery in Williamsburg and like a loft, like, in two th- even in 2007, that's not nothing, you know? Oh, yeah. But, I mean, that's the nature of any show that's ever supposed totally. to take place in New York. Every person's apartment. You you just look at it and you're like, absolutely not. I lived there. There's no way. <sighs> and the exterior shots are all Dumbo, which drives me crazy. <laughs> now that I live here. Now that I live here, I'm like, that's Dumbo. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> My first real interaction with gossip girl was when they did an episode that had a scene at ucb when i was like deep into the ucb world and like the theater they used was this like like cavernous space with like pillars and like gorgeous windows and wasn't a shithole beneath the grocery <laughs> yeah. store. They're like, uh, this is not a basement below the Gristides. What the fuck? Yeah, they just put a couple of the UCB logos on like the pillars and <laughs> called it a day. And and it was the, the the scene there was like a play reading. It was fucking yeah, wild. Yeah, it was incredible. They're they're staging a reading of Dan Humphrey's book inside, right? Mm. Yeah. I'm saying that like, you know, I know. I, I don't know yeah. why I said right. I was confident that that was what happened. That's what happened. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so what? what is the, um, let's get into the show itself. What What is kind of the TLDR of, of Gossip Girl? So it is sort of like a precursor to the social media world we live in now, right? Where like teens are constantly bullying each other on like Snapchat and TikTok and Twitter. I guess Twitter is for old people now, but um. In that, there are – it follows a group of privileged teenagers on the Upper East Side 
Um, they are at a private school, obviously, and uh, they are a all couple different ones, right? There's yeah. a girls and boys. School. There's a girls and boys school. So there's um, Constance, which is the girls school, and there's St. Jude's, which is the boys school. They're like technically on the same campus like it's like their brother and sister schools they just don't have classes together not that that matters mm-hmm. you literally never see them in class like the fact that they are in school is so irrelevant to the to, yeah um and they are all sort of addicted to this website called gossip girl which is run by Perez hilton considering it was 2007 yeah it was like the all the shots they use at the site are very very that and like it's a photo and people would send in like a photo and like anonymous tips and basically they could all just like rat on each other nonstop through this anonymous source and then gossip girl would send out a blast um and you know the goal was like the same way that you can be the main character on twitter now you like didn't want to be the main character on gossip girl <laughs> sure that day yeah. um and they they never they don't know who gossip girl is they don't know you know anything about it. they don't really seem to be particularly bothered by that most of the time either they're just happy to have an outlet to like ruin each other's lives on the internet yeah <laughs> Uh, and it just sort of follows them having remarkably adult hijinks for yeah, remarkably adult hijinks and relationships. Uh, yeah, it is again. Really- I mean, they were supposed to be like sixteen, seventeen, but also like I mean, I'm pretty sure by the end of it, Blake Lively was married to Ryan Reynolds and had a kid. Yeah, I just about <laughs> like <laughs> they they were definitely. You know, it's like any teen show. They were hired when they were probably like twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, and then by the time they were done. They were close to 30, which you're like, I don't really need to be playing a, a small person anymore. Yeah. So yeah. by the end, it was like when Hawkeye had gone full gray. By the end, they were the age they were supposed to. Basically, by the end, they were supposed to be the age they were when they were hired. Yeah, more yeah. or less. Like they yeah. um, they never do, you know, some of those teen shows do like a fast forward trick. They never they do that in the last episode for like five seconds. Um, yeah. But they never really do, like, what's happening is what's happening. I It just, again, like... They don't do time jumps, really, no. Yeah, the age becomes increasingly irrelevant. Like, yeah. <laughs> at one point, they're all in college, and then uh, don't worry about that. That ne- that will never matter again, because why would... I wish tracks for rich kids, actually, so that's oh, yeah. fine. I have no quibbles. I have no I have no qualms with that. So what what was it about this world that, that drew you in so so deeply because uh, you said you had never really been to new york before i know uh, at least when you discovered the show i uh i am not a rich kid and the <laughs> the idea it was just so like i don't know everything about it was just so balls to the wall like the clothes were insane uh they were riding to school in limos uh you know, they were getting martinis at bars after school, which like I was in college and I didn't drink martinis. I was perfectly happy with my Miller Lite, <laughs> my <laughs> my woodchuck ciders or whatever. I mean, the show itself is, I mean, literally like the like as now defined genre of show is that it's like an aspirational TV show. Yeah. Is that it, it purposely centers people who have this uh, enormous and elaborate wealth in a way that since most people don't, it becomes aspirational and and 
interesting and and that's what draws you in we're a lot more interested in looking at people that aren't like us than the people who are like us which is not to say that representation doesn't matter i mean in a like salacious way totally it's much more interesting to feel like you're getting a look into a world you would never otherwise get a look into than like okay well i these are these are just people like me. I see this every day. This isn't this isn't exciting. This isn't interesting. Yeah. And a world that you might already have a little bit of preformed like judgment about. Yeah. And so it, it's like I don't have any frame of reference to know that that is or isn't how New York as far as I am concerned still that's how mm-hmm. New York teenagers behave who have any mm-hmm. access to means. Um and also, like, the plot was just sort of a, a hallmark of a Josh Swartz and Stephanie Savage show is that the plot is so crazy even in the first, like, f- 10 episodes that they're constantly having to one-up themselves. Oh, yeah. Okay. Can, can you can you, can you you give us a, a taste of some of the craziness that happens uh, in those first 10, if you can recall? So, Oh, I absolutely can. Oh, I, she okay. can recall. I think about oh, this yeah. a lot. So, well, um, I've heard you give presentations on it. Yeah. So I, uh, so Gossip Girl, um, obviously, like every other television show, did a pilot episode and then they had a 13-episode pickup. Um, in that 13-episode pickup, it's like uh, you have um, like uh, you have – Friends cheating on their significant others with, like, the significant other's best friends, right? You have uh, a pregnancy scare. You have um, people, like, fleeing town. Like, you have, uh, like, I'm trying to remember what what else is so crazy. Like, they're constantly trying to drugs. Lots of drugs, right? You have a dad who almost dies of, like, uh, he gets busted with coke um, and he like overdosed. It's it's so crazy. And you're like, how how could they possibly one up this? And then they proceed to do it just nonstop. Which the a funny and I think great touch is that while we don't know who Gossip Girl is until the very end, and we will discuss that. Oh, absolutely. Until at the end of the episode. Um, I think it's really a nice little nod to that Kristen Bell is the voiceover voice of Gossip Girl, considering everything about this show is also, like, very Veronica Mars. Like, like a different, different, um... Different milieu, socio- but... st- different Different socioeconomic structure. Very similar, like, just every time you always have to one-up yourself. <laughs> and the CW also just, like, really loves to keep hiring the same actors. Over sure. and over and over. But yo, she's she's great at that. Yeah, it's perfect. But yeah, Veronica Mars was another one where every, everything was so crazy from the jump. They just had to keep one-upping themselves in bigger and bigger ways. What what in your mind is the craziest thing that ever happened uh, on the show? Oh, okay. So, um... Wait, wait, hold on. Before you explain that, because we haven't talked about it, we should maybe talk about the characters so that as we describe oh, the yeah, crazy shit that happens, people know <laughs> who's talking about. So I know there's Blake Lively there's plays... Sam and Diane. <laughs> She's just... I mean, it also like the premise of the show and the plot, of course, it's the socioeconomic struggle. You have Dan, who is the quote-unquote poor kid from Brooklyn there on a partial scholarship. And then you have the mysterious... What is it? Serena no, is the other one. Serena Vanderhoeven or whatever. And she's just arrived back from her mysterious disappearance. Which is so good. Okay. So, yes. So, it's the show 
the show sort of centers oh. initially, at least, um, around Serena Vanderwoodson. I guess the brain. cat <laughs> yelling at the, the cat. cat in the background. He was on the forbidden shelf. That's not allowed. Ah, so I had to, I had to whip at her with my pants because I don't have a spray bottle in here. <laughs> yeah. So the show, at least from the beginning, centers around Serena Vanderwoodson, who is this like gorgeous, blonde, free spirited. Um, teenager who is returning as you said from a mysterious absence at private at boarding school in connecticut um as you do and you go for boarding school i'm they, from connecticut never went to boarding school but and yeah and also rehabs um which they also do at some point and so you have serena you have dan as you mentioned so dan humphrey and his sister jenny so dan is a junior and jenny is a freshman they Dude, are Ken Badgley. I had a huge crush on him. Ken Badgley is and also college and also so now. Cute. He's so <laughs> he's so good looking. He's I think the best looking dude on the show. Um, who Agreed. are sort of like, I guess, the outsiders, if you will. They live in Williamsburg with their dad. Um Oh yeah, he's definitely the like every man stand in in the pilot. Yes. And Dan is obsessed has he's been the obsessed. Surrogate. Yeah, he's he's yes. Like they serve as like the moral center of the show. And so much as that show has a moral center. Um, Dan is obsessed with Serena has been since freshman year, um, but is not part of that group. Serena uh, comes back. She has a best frenemy. That's Blair Waldorf, um, who is, I wish I could remember the exact like terminology Dan uses to describe her at one point is he calls her like 95 pounds of like bon mo tossing uh terror or something like that that's really good but she's a huge bitch i love Go her on. so much i will die for blair waldorf um blair is dating nate archibald who is a himbo and that's basically all you need to know about oh, nate he is he's that's a, all you need to know about nate he's a sweet little dummy he gets very stoned and does dumb things um oh, just like me then you have Chuck Bass, who I actually get the impression based on early episodes that Chuck – in the books, Chuck is not a main character. He's sort of like a tertiary character. Um, and I get the feeling that that was probably going to be the case for him here. But Except he's so good they couldn't leave him he's out. He's <laughs> so good. And also he and Leighton Meester uh, – so Ed Westwick and Leighton Meester had clearly had really good chemistry, which becomes important to the show. Um, and so Chuck is a kind of like – bad boy uh rich shithead um and that is that's the main group of teenagers so you have the core group which is Blair um Nate Chuck and Serena and they call each other in a later episode the non-judging breakfast club so like if you're in the (laughs) fandom that's how you refer to that group um and then you have Dan and Jenny you also follow the adults, which, like, who cares about that? Um, but yeah, way less interesting, but they are in it. They are in it. So, so it's sort of what ends up okay. So, you have Serena's mom, Lily Vanderwoodson, um, who is like I, an icon, an incredible woman, mm-hmm. just a huge bitch. Um, and like Rufus Humphrey, who is um, Dan and Jenny's father. Um, and they have and he's like a he had like a one hit wonder in the 90s yes lincoln hawk um he was in a band called lincoln hawk he he in the pilot episode um i i'm pretty sure it's yeah it's the pilot episode he makes an issue of rolling stone for being one of the top 10 forgotten bands of the 90s 
Um, <laughs> and that's that kind of becomes his deal. And it as it turns out, um, in the 90s, Lily Vander Woodson uh, was trying to like skip out on her rich life. Like she's originally from like Montecito or something like that. Um, and she was like a groupie and they make a lot of jokes about how she slept with like Trent and Perry and all these like, you know, nineties rock icons. Monkey from corn. Uh, <laughs> I wish they had said that. Uh, and so it turns out that she had had, um, she had had a long affair with Rufus that obviously did not end well. So they also have yeah. like an on Because of course, in a city of 8 million people, these 10 people all have to know each of other course. throughout the generations. <laughs> of course. Uh, so that covers like the core group. What is the craziest thing you can think of? There's, okay, there's so many. And I don't and they know. they never like, like went to space or anything, right? No. They, they never got that crazy? No. 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 Okay. They never like. It's too sci-fi. Yeah, there's no like Gossip Girl on the Moon. There is okay. I don't that know how. Cool, Maybe that's you, what the new series is. How do you feel about like spo- like how do we feel about spoilers? I mean, it's like a ten year old. We show. feel great oh, about him. We I already talked about, about how we're going to talk about who Gossip Girl is later. So yeah, I guess if you don't want to get spoiled on Gossip Girl, stop listening now. But like, also this show was I I I didn't even watch all of Gossip Girl, and I still know who it is. So it's like getting mad at Game of Thrones spoilers yeah, at this point. Yeah. Okay, great. So one of the craziest plot lines to me is definitely um, in season two, they kill Bart Bass, who's Chuck's dad. Um, and Chuck is orphaned at 18. And then they just hand him control of the business. Like in the his So his father is sort of like a Donald Trump type, like a real estate tycoon asshole. Um Anyway, so they kill Bart Bass, and then <laughs> like several seasons, that's like a whole thing. Then several seasons later, it's revealed that he faked his own death. <laughs> <laughs> like this is when they like when I tell you that they got crazier and crazier. This is like end of season five into season six, where you're like, okay, so we we just re we ran out of plot points. Got it. Um, <laughs> and so. Uh, that's pretty cr- they bring him back and then it turns out that he's he's like been murdering people internationally it like it is i don't even know how to wow. explain that plot point it's just like an international assassin and then it ends with chuck actually killing him by like okay. throwing him off a roof essentially i mean he doesn't actually do it like his, his, whatever um it doesn't matter point it, is. It, the point is he's he is now officially really dead he is present at the scene of his father's murder so that this feels like it's the equivalent of that uh plot thread in the second season of friday night lights where landry accidentally kills a guy and then they just like brush it under the rug and never mention it again this show loves to do that gossip girl loves to do that it's a big thing there's another plot where um again later season so blair um in season the opening of season four blair and serena are in paris because you know of course they're um and Blair meets um, Prince Louis Grimaldi of Monaco. Um, and then later in that season, uh, they end up dating and they get engaged. Um, and like, I hate this plot point so much. Okay, so they they get engaged, but like Blair can't quit Chuck and like Chuck can't leave it alone. And he's like, whatever. They're like on again, off again situation. They want to be together, but they can't, whatever. Um, Blair ends up getting pregnant. Again, this is a plot point that like they never mentioned. Blair actually ends up getting pregnant, does not know who the father is. Um, 
because she's also had sex with Chuck while dating Prince Louis. Um, they get into a like Princess Diana style car crash being chased by paparazzi and she loses the baby and literally you will never hear about that pregnancy again. <laughs> Whoa. It does not come up. Um, but so they get, she gets into this car accident trying to like flee paparazzi with Chuck. Chuck almost doesn't make it. So Blair makes – I swear to God. I hate even explaining this out loud. Blair makes a deal with God that if – Chuck lives, she will stay away from him and marry Louie. So, like, it becomes this whole plot point of, like, Blair <laughs> insistently going through with this wedding that, like, she doesn't... She made a promise to God. Because she made a promise to God. She, like, goes to confession. It's a whole thing. Oh, my um, God. Marries Prince Louis. I love who- the idea of hearing Kristen Bell talking about someone <laughs> making a promise to God. I would love to see her face delivering those some of those puns because, like, they love to do, like, puns and stuff. Um, so oh, she marries yeah. Prince Louis, and then on their wedding night, it turns out that, like, he's actually, like, completely evil um, and low-key hates her. And um, she can't get out of the, the marriage because she signed paperwork um, stating that if she divorced him, that she would owe his family a dowry that would, like, bankrupt her family. It's so <laughs> ridiculous. Chuck ends up paying her dowry. It's like a whole – it's a whole thing. So wow. like that plot line is extremely stupid and it goes on forever. It's wild. I was thinking we'd be dealing with like swapped cell phones, but we're dealing with princes and dowries? Yeah, princes fuck? and dowries, fake deaths. There's, there's an episode in season two – See, mid-season two is where the show really starts to like kind of lose the plot a bit. Um, <laughs> sure. There's a there's an episode in season two where Chuck gets wow, invited. Wow, so late. To like season two. I know. Chuck gets invited to this like secret sex society thing and he goes that and he meets right. this woman that he's like immediately in love with and she's a nanny but like she's also in like a sex ring. I don't know. It's <laughs> I, Is it Fran Drescher? No, I wish. God, it's some it's some random actress who I don't think has done anything since then. Um, so like freeing her from this international tycoon sex ring, I don't know. It's so weird. So like those are my top three, I think, craziest plots. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, yeah, that uh that that all of that feels so CW. Yeah. In a way that like I'm not saying that to make fun. Like it like that's just exactly what I would want out of a CW show. I mean, like I said, I really feel like this set the tone of CW shows for like a decade. Oh yeah. It's very a uh, jingle jangle, right? Is that the drug on Riverdale? Is it jingle jangle? Uh, yeah, it's I think it's called jingle jangle. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't watch Riverdale, but, like, I'm led to I don't watch it. I know that because I've heard other people on podcasts make jokes about it. About Jingle Jingle. Right. Like, that's the only thing I know about Riverdale, except for, I guess, the Cole Sprouse character. Or Dylan Sprouse. And the Jughead fucks. Yes. It's Cole. Cole Sprouse is the one in it. Got it. Um, I know because he's such a weirdo. God bless. He's just such a public, like, weirdo in a way that is just, like, lovely. Like, his Twitter feed is, like... A lot of it is just like him saying really weird shit and then his twin just roasting him. He had an Instagram for a while that was him taking pictures of people who were trying to take pictures of him. Yeah. It, which was just great. a weirdo. I loved it. So I was like, this is exactly what I would want to do if I were famous. But I guess if I was a child star, I'd be a weirdo too. Exactly. Before we wrap up, if if you had to oh, pick we're say... not ready to wrap up because oh, we still oh, have yeah, to no, no, no. We, you're right. We need to we need to have this talk. We need to have this it's talk. It's time. 
we need to talk about who Gossip Girl was and uh, why it's stupid. Okay, it's so stupid. So I operating under the assumption that you and most people know this because it's actually so stupid. Uh, so it turns out that Gossip Girl is Dan Humphrey, which makes not a goddamn lick of sense. It doesn't make a lick of sense because of the way things were reported, because it sounds nothing like him. If you watch, so it's really funny to me to, if you watch the show, keeping in the back of your mind that the entire time Dan is supposed to be Gossip Girl. He looks like a sociopath because there's a lot of him receiving, like receiving Gossip Girl tips in real time and reacting to them. Like he's shocked. Like, meanwhile, he's the one that sent the tip. And he even acts that way when he's by himself. Exactly. Publicly blasting that, like, his sister lost her virginity. Like, it's just stuff that makes no sense and also makes him seem like a complete stalker, which, like, he kind of is. Um, I think it's pretty clear to me that either they didn't know or care necessarily who Gossip Girl was going to be until season six. And they were like, well, shit, I guess we got to land this thing now. Oh, yeah. They clearly had no idea who Gossip Girl was. And then were trying to retcon it in a way that really didn't work on so many levels. So many levels. I feel like Gossip Girl is one of the, like, famous bungled endings of a show. It's like Lost, How I Met Your Mother, this, and Game of Thrones. Yeah. I was going to say, this This sounds like they at least didn't, you know, How I Met Your Mother themselves into like, oh, we're going to make our main character look like even more of an asshat than he already is due to a no. decision we made nine years ago. <laughs> I mean, but that's kind of what they did do. It's, it's we're going to make one of our main characters look like a fucking psychopath because yeah. of a decision we didn't make nine years ago. Oh, yeah, fair. So they kind yeah. of like, they, they play into this idea that Dan has a huge chip on his shoulder, right? Which he does. I mean, like that's, that's kind of his defining characteristic is that he both, really desperately wants to be accepted by these people, but like has a huge chip on his shoulder about not being one of them. Um, And the show establishes that actually uh, like there's a point at the end of season two where they've been trying to destroy Gossip Girl um, and she on graduation day releases a blast that's like gives them all superlatives and the superlative that she gives Dan is the ultimate insider, um, which he disagrees with. But then people point out like, you dated Serena, like you're friends with Nate now. Um, you like did this, that, whatever. Like, and he writes a book about that experience um, called Inside. And they sort of just established that he has worked his way up into this, like, to the society and and knows everything about it. Like a, I guess, like almost like a Truman Capote type. I don't know. Um, yes, not, but like not that. <laughs> Or like a Columbo type who gets who gets in with the perpetrators. But it just, I mean, he does do that. But like, uh, I had several. I so the, the fan theories at the time were that Gossip Girl was either Dorota, who is Blair's um, like maid slash housekeeper, which was my favorite theory because I love Dorota and justice for Dorota. Um, a lot of people said that it was Eric Vanderwoodson, who's Serena's younger brother. And I think that I read somewhere that Eric actually was intended to be Gossip Girl at one point. Um, and then it got leaked to page six or something. And they were like, well, fuck. Um, mm-hmm. So, no, it just makes no sense <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, you know, it did try to play with this idea again at the end of season two that like it doesn't it almost doesn't matter who Gossip Girl is because they all sent tips in on each other. So like they are all Gossip Girl. Um, and I conceptually like that more than thinking about like who this one person is. But um, I get it. I think it's just that like in the pilot, the way before by the end and when they're all like participating, when it first appears it comes across as if Gossip Girl is saying these things because she has a like vendetta against these people. Like she's trying to take them down and that's, and eventually it becomes something different, but it's initially in that pilot, it comes across a lot more like it had a, like Gossip Girl had a motive behind it. Right. Then I think it ultimately became. Yes. And when you compare that to dan's early motive of just like absolutely simping for these people. oh yeah like again <laughs> it really you, doesn't line up if you watch it keeping in mind that dan is gossip girl the whole time yeah. he is a grade a i think that we should abolish the prison system except for dan humphrey psycho like yeah, just absolute psycho yeah by the time i did watch any of this i did already know so like that's also part of what has covered all of the gossip girl that i've i i knew what it was because of working um in like that industry at the time but I didn't watch it and by the time I did watch it it was over yeah so like I did watch any of the series I've seen knowing that and yeah it's just so weird to watch you're just like oh my god you absolute psycho it's really funny to me like you are you are desperately trying to win this girl's attention while simultaneously constantly putting her on blast in a very public and embarrassing way yeah it's also just really frustrating to watch a a twist that doesn't feel like it played fair you know? Yeah. It'd be like, like one of the best executed twists I've seen in, in TV in a long time. And this is going to be a big spoiler for uh first season of the good place uh, is the reveal of, of Michael being evil at the end of the first season. And like that twist, if you go back and look at it plays absolutely fair. Yeah. Like it's, it's never, it, it's, it's not fudging the details. It's not like hastily retconned. Like it, it feels like it respected your time. Yeah. And even yeah. and even though and even though Gossip Girl is, you know, very pulpy and very sort of over dramatic, it's frustrating to feel like a show just doesn't respect the, you know, six or seven years you've put into it with a, you know, dumbass reveal like that. Yeah. You know, funny enough, the this show was also uh was created by Alloy, who also created Pretty Little Liars. And in a similar way, they didn't know who A was when they started. And they similarly had to like figure it out on the fly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, they're basically the same premise. Yeah. They just pretend they're not. It's, it's pretty obvious that they're kind of flying by the seat of their pants on that one. Um, which is fascinating to me because like if, if the idea was like, it almost doesn't like if my assumption is if you start a series about an anonymous tipster, right. Um, and you never, and you don't even care who it is, like, then it almost doesn't matter. And you should just end the series being like, well, we'll just never know. Like, you'll just never know. Like, you'll have to be unsatisfied. Um, but by the end, I think that they were also sufficiently over it anyway. <laughs> that, sure. Like, it was like, fuck it, Dan. Great. Mask off. <laughs> you know, if they were doing that show now, it, 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 this, is, this just seems like it's just teens doxing each other the series. I know. I'm actually so... I'm really excited about the – it's not a reboot. The the executive producer on it is like, it's just an extension. It's not a reboot because it's like – it's not the same characters. It it exists in the same universe where everything that happened already happened. So it's much more like a 
it's it's honestly more like a sequel. Um, I'm really interested to see how they'll tackle Gossip Girl because like who cares when like kids you know what I mean like now kids are constantly doing this stuff people aren't going to a blog to get their news anymore yeah. there's so many platforms that you can just there's so many platforms so yeah I'll I, it will be interesting to see how they handle the social media aspect of it for sure um but they got they got a lot of the band back together so to speak so I'm I'm really excited yeah. for that they got the same costume dir- director but yeah it's it's a shared universe yeah, it's he, he, they're calling it like an extension or um, something. I mean, obviously, like you know, reboot's the easiest way to refer to that. But yeah, um, but yeah, I, I heard an article where that's what they they had said. It was like a shared universe story set in the Gossip Girl universe. <laughs> Gossip Girl extended universe. I mean, there's not the first EU show. Technically, we could just call Frasier the Cheers extended universe. That's true. That's true. Um, so speaking of the fashion, though, uh, let's talk for a minute about your uh, your Instagram thing oh, yeah. that you've been doing. Um, so the show's 10th anniversary happened in 2017, um, which, you know, very exciting for me. And I interviewed the costume designer, Eric Damon, because I'm a huge fan of his work. Um, and, and you're a fashion editor. And I'm a fashion editor. So it made a lot of sense. Uh, <laughs> he, so Eric, Eric came up under Patricia Fields working on sex in the city. Um, just to give you an idea of kind of his background um, in costume design. And so when this started happening, I went on Twitter one day, um, either while I was working on that story or right after I published it, uh, and posted 10 of my all-time favorite Blair Waldorf outfits because I'm basically constantly trying to dress like Blair Waldorf even though I'm 34. Um, and like it really resonated with people because I think Gossip Girl still very much has this sort of like cult following of people who are really attached to it when it aired. Um, and also like since it was streaming on Netflix for forever, um, like a generation of people behind me, which makes me feel old to say, uh, who have discovered it and gotten really attached to it. So because that did really well, I just was like, I, you know, this is fun for me. I like talking about this and looking up these old outfits and stuff. Um, I started doing a series on my Instagram called Waldorf Wednesdays, which is on Wednesday, obviously it's on the tin. Uh, I post an outfit um, from the series that Blair wore and sort of talk about like either like what's interesting about it or like listing like. I look up the brands that it's from, right? Um, Like the brands that she was wearing or I talk about how it was put together or just for fun, just as like a look back. And then in quarantine, so it it sort of took off to where like those often get more likes than photos of me, which I try not to be um, too bothered by. Uh, But it, it legitimately got to the point where I had people who were like only following me for Waldorf Wednesdays. And I would get comments every week that was like, do Serena Saturday, like do this outfit. And I'm like, first of all, this is not a request line. I have a day job. Um, but okay. And so in quarantine, I started doing Serena Saturdays. So it's like the same thing, but, um, with Serena, uh, and it's just fun. I don't know. I like for me, any excuse to talk about the show is great. I think the clothes, like, Again, talking about a, a time capsule, like the wardrobe is very much a part of that too. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. We made very so many mistakes. Yeah, we made so many mistakes. Very two thousand seven. Uh, so painfully two thousand seven. It's uh yeah, it's just like a a fun little 
little side hobby I have slash I'm trying to lobby them to like, let me do that in some kind of official capacity. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put, yeah. Put, put Tyler on gossip girl challenge. Yeah. I was going to say on that note, cause I'm doing all the transitions this week I get speaking of where could people follow you online and see that and other Tyler McCall? Oh, actually, b- b- before before we uh, oh. before we go to that, one more one more thing, one more thing. Uh, you you uh, now now uh, you said that uh, Gossip Girl was uh, was was uh, that one guy, but uh, you seem to know an awful lot about Gossip Girl and what what she's uh, coming and going and doing. Oh my god! <laughs> How long have you been planning this bit? Uh, pr- probably about four hours. Probably, oh probably about four god. hours. Oh my god. I like to think of myself as the gossip girl of gossip girl. Yay. In, in many ways. Cause like actually bef- right before the show, I was texting with uh past guest of the show, Frankie Starker, and I said that we I, I'm going to go gossip about gossip girl with the gossip girl herself. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, it's gotten really like I I feel like I I know and care so much about this show. Like I have an outline. I'm, I jokingly tagged the producer uh, in an Instagram story once with like a screenshot of it being like, please let me do this, which is not an official way to pitch anybody or anything I realized, but, um, but crazier things have worked. Yeah. Trying to, trying to shoot my shot. You know, I'm, I'm at least trying to scam a cameo out of these people because they're not done shooting yet. And I'm like, I'm, I'm available. (laughs) Love a good scamio. Yeah. I I literally tweeted at Joshua Safran, who's the producer on this one, and I was like, I literally will come like cater way. Like whatever is a non-union mm. job that you won't get in trouble for having me do, I will do. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, Beth, do your segue now. <laughs> I already did it. I'm not gonna redo it. No, it's fine. Uh where Tyler, thank you so much for joining us. If people wanted to find more Tyler related content on the internet, where could they go? Uh I am at Eiffel Tyler, like Eiffel Tower, which um in hindsight. It's great. It's great. I look it's it works. I started it because I was living in Paris. Um and I started a blog so like my family could keep up with stuff. And then I locked in that username every other place and now I'm a professional with Eiffel Tyler as a username. Uh, but it's Eiffel Tyler pretty much everywhere you want to be in some places that you don't. Uh, Hell yeah. There you go. And, uh, you also write on Fashionista, right? I do. Yes. Please, please read Fashionista for all of your fashion news needs. Um, I do, I do work there with an excellent team of people. Um, I mean, I'm not asking that you have to like promote your boss, but Hey, she's got some bylines there. Go read her stuff. Please. That's all. Give me the sweet traffic. Yeah. Brandon, how about you? Yeah. It's um, time to lie about your EP, our our weekly occurrence. I'm getting closer, <laughs> actually. I'm getting closer. Um, so, yeah, you this can find- This is like find... a new segment of the show at this point. Brandon sure lies is. about his EP. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm getting closer on that. But you can you can find all of my mess uh, around the internet at Hell Yes Brandon uh, on all the, the places and things. Um you can find Inkblot. We've got some live shows on YouTube, which are kind of fun. And our our, uh, our demo that we recorded a while ago, uh, God, coming up on two years now, God. Um, and our cover of Tom Waits' Little Drop of Poison that I blew out my vocals doing. Um, and Happy Seppy Grown-Up Hour is, I believe, now the first Saturday of every month uh, on YouTube. Uh, but you can find more about that on our socials. And uh, yeah, my, my my EP, Hat in a Hat, is uh, is going to be imminently Eminent. released. 
imminent, imminent. It's been imminent for a year. Oh yeah, no, it's been imminent since like July, but it's actually getting imminenter now. <laughs> um, because I fixed the things I was anxious about. Um, so that'll be dropping soon. But um, I just put up another uh piece of music on uh my Bandcamp, which is brandonbeck.bandcamp.com. Uh, where for Happy Sappy a couple months ago, uh, for our regret show. I did a Fleetwood Mac pastiche called We Never Should Have Banged, um, which features great vocals by Kaylee Quick and uh, Mike Pfeiffer of the Hell Yeah Babies, uh, which I believe is his legal name. Um, <laughs> One can never be sure. And uh, so I have uh, – we were going to stream that on the last uh, Hell Yeah Baby stream, but it was overbooked. Uh, but I made a video for it anyway, so I decided to put it up on SoundCloud for $0.69. Cents. So if you want to listen to that, uh, go to Brandon Beck bandcamp.com which is also where hat and a hat will will live once it's uh released to the world when we were talking about it before one mm-hmm. of the things he had to fix oh i'm telling a story about you now mostly it's about me it's fine uh no when he was one of the things that he was anxious <laughs> about was that he was like oh it's six it has to be six songs and like i don't like the middle one blah 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 and i was like hey just make it five songs it's fine you can have five songs on an EP. That's chill. And for a long time, he was like, no. Rah, 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 rah. And then uh, he finally decided I was right. Uh, he listened to it. And then he was like, hey, I think I am going to do five songs. And I was like, oh, cool. And then like a few days later, we were talking about it again. And I was like, oh, you are going to do five songs? And he went, yeah, I thought I told you that. And I said, yeah, I just wanted you to tell me I was right again. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said that time, too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's what he said the first time, too. Fuck you. <laughs> anyway, if you want to find me online, you can follow me online at, at B-E-E-S-C-O-R-E-S with an underscore at the end. That's B-Scores. But the easiest way to find me is just to find me through following the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at, at IntuitPod. Uh, you can follow the hashtag IntuitPod on Instagram, uh, which is also done through my account, which is an easy way to find me. Uh, and you can follow us on Facebook if you're into that, I guess. I don't know. I don't like the new design of the pages on Facebook. I might just stop using it. It's terrible. Anyway, uh, thank you as always to Kaylin West and Tiny Stills for the use of our theme song. Starting Over is a lot like giving up off the album. Falling is like flying. That's all I got. Well, uh, Tyler, thank you so much for uh, uh, joining us on the Upper West pod. Oh, of course. Today. Thank you for letting me go like Pepe Silvia. On, uh, <laughs> oh. <awesome> girl. <laughs> Truly, like, I could do this for hours. Poor Sam has really sat through me being, like, just short of pulling out a dry erase board. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're here for. As it should be. That is what we're here for. Um, So, yeah. um, All that being said, uh, one one, one more thing before uh, before, (laughs) before we we, we wrap up here. Uh, Just looking uh, looking back at the evidence. Uh, We've uh, we've done a show for about an hour, uh, hour and ten minutes, so... uh, I'm going to say it's a podcast over. Oh, oh, one more thing before I forget. Oh, listen, there's one more thing. uh, One other thing, uh, the angle of the bullet. Oh, listen, one more thing. There is one thing that I did want to ask you, sir. You're only held down by strength. Oh, one more thing, sir. uh, There's one other thing, sir. uh, One more question, sir, about those sacks of gold. Oh, just one more thing, sir. Uh, One more thing, sir.